The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com This is a really, uh, really important um, important message uh, us today. So that's a, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is when you're on pain medication, it's really hard to concentrate and it's really hard to read. So when it came to this sermon, I was going to try to do Micah again, but I was having a really difficult time when it came to uh, the research that I was supposed to do. So what ended up happening was instead of studying to take in information to give you today, I just had to draw out the information that was already there. But it turned out that it was a timely thing because it was something that's been on my heart that I've been wanting to share with you for a while. Um, An important uh, topic today, yet I know that for many of us, it seems kind of like, okay, Shane, you're, you're in church, we're all Christians, and you're going to preach a sermon asking the question, does God exist? Like, are you not preaching to the choir here? Well, here's something that I want us to really think about when it comes today, to today, because this really is an important topic for the church today, because it really does seem like one of the biggest feeders to this, this movement called atheism in our culture today, one of the biggest Uh, uh, categories of people that's actually moving to this direction are Christians. Wow. Okay, uh, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. While you're turning there, George Bernard Shaw is perhaps most renowned as a free thinker and liberal philosopher. In his last writings, we read, the science to which I pinned my faith is bankrupt. Its counsels, which should have established the millennium, led instead directly to the suicide of Europe. I believed them once. In their name, I helped to destroy the faith of millions of worshipers in the temples of a thousand creeds. And now they look at me and witness the great tragedy of an atheist who has lost his faith. Nobody talks so constantly about God as those who insist that there is no God. But the question today is not really, do you believe that God exists? Okay, that's not the question. Maybe the real question we should be asking ourselves today is, can we demonstrate that God exists? Yeah, you believe that God exists, but if somebody asks you, can you tell them why? This is important, important today because it seems as if atheism is one of those things that's rapidly growing today. If you were to ask an American in 1944 whether they believed in God, only one out of 100 people would actually say no. Today, just 80 years later, Essentially, 12 out of every 100 Americans now claim that they don't believe in God. Now, that's also not including the statistic of how many of them would actually say, I don't know. 
That's another one. That's another growing issue where they just said, hey, look, it's not that I don't believe in God. I'm just unaffiliated. Now, that's a growing, that's another growing number. I'm just not affiliated. Um, if you look at the numbers, it's obvious that both atheism and agnosticism are spreading around the world very quickly. There are nations in this world where the majority of the population are atheists. A country is like China. I think China is supposed to be like 64% atheists. Okay, so exactly how fast, it's one article that I was reading here, exactly how fast is atheism growing? Although the exact percentage of atheists changes every year, Gallup polls indicate that currently 12% of all Americans do not believe in God. In 2011, only 7% claimed the same. So this means that in the past decade, there has been a 5% increase in the number of atheists. Now, this is a big, big deal. I know it, we're only talking 5% here. People are like, well, come, in, come on, Shane, the percentage. The 5%, when it comes to this idea or how we're, going to, uh, uh, how we're going to see this movement of people and the worldview that they take on, 5% is a lot. And what we're starting to see is in the last couple of years, this number has really boomed and has really uh, uh, has come to the forefront and it's beginning to increase. Now, many sociologists and many psychologists are, su- are suggesting that atheism is growing because of the continued advancements in science that we've seen. And, and of course, we've seen a lot of advancements in science, the continued advancements in science, which has uncovered the, the natural and logical explanations for things we have formally called acts of God. So things that we used to say, hey, this is, what, this is the supernatural act of God. Science is actually showing us that there are perfectly logical and natural explanations for all of those things. Science is doing it even more. We got TV channels that are dedicated to this kind of stuff, right? So the second most important thing that sociologists and psychologists are suggesting is that atheism is growing because of the failure of the church in America. Oh. Now, this one was a hard one to read. Hey, I, wait, wait, wait. Are you, 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 you're talking about us here. The, the research and stuff that they're doing, they're talking about us. They're talking about modern evangelicalisms in Ameri- evangelicals in America today. That's us. You're talking about us, and they're saying that, yeah, the rise of atheism, a lot of it is due to the failures of the church in America. Many are leaving the church because of its failure to deliver on what it promises. And I thought this was really interesting how it says that. Because we already know that functional atheism thrives in our churches today. We know that already. What's functional atheism? It's basically, hey, we come to church on Sunday, we worship God, Monday morning we wake up and we live the rest of the week as if there is no God. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, I watch Christians, professing Christians, I watch you guys on social media and it very much seems that way. You know, we're, oh, the crisis in our government today. Who will deliver us from this? And we're looking for a certain political party to stand up to deliver us from the atrocities of our culture today. My question I always ask is, is Jesus not alive? Is Christ not our hope? Is, is, is something wrong with God? Did God all of a sudden go on vacation? Now we're, we're panicking and we're worried about which political party is going to rescue us from from our day? I mean, where are we with this? So we already know that functional atheism thrives in the modern church. 
you know? But what I said a couple of weeks ago, functional atheism is just one step away from total atheism and just not believing in God. I just, I'm just going to live the rest of my life the way I've always lived my life. Every single week, all I'm going to do is just not go to church on Sunday. That's all I got to do. That's all I got to stop doing. Just go, stop going to church on Sunday. It's not, and people will say that the church is failing because it's not giving the answers to those who are seeking, and it's not the answers And it has not been the answer for those who have tried. So again, this is the common thing that people will say when it comes to Christianity as to why they're leaving Christianity for atheism. Christianity, it's not working for me, man. That is the number one thing people are saying. It's just not working for me. It's not working out. It's just not doing what it says that it's supposed to do. I mean, it talks about like, hey, you know, if you're a Christian, your life will be better. Well, if you're a Christian, you know, things are going to work out. God is on your side, man. So my question when I read this, when they said Christianity is just not working out, my question is working out for what? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Since when... Is the point of Christianity something to help you work things out? Who told you that? Oh, Oh, you know who told you that? The countless hundreds and thousands of pulpits in America where preachers are continuing to lie to everyone. That's why. See, the reason why we are Christians today, and I'm hoping that the reason why we are Christians today is not because it works, but because it's true. So whether things are working out or not, whether life is good, whether you're succeeding, whether you're failing, whether all this stuff is good, all this stuff is bad, the bottom line is no matter what happens in this world, Jesus is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he deserves our worship. So my life is falling apart, but I come to church on Sunday because my God is deserving of my worship. That's why. So I can hear his word. So I can hear the truth and I can know the truth. And the Bible says that if I know the truth, the truth will set me free. Man, are are we missing this? Are we missing this? See, family, this is why when they say, when they say like people are moving into atheism because the church is failing and the answer is, is because Christianity is not working out. This is why I keep saying we got to stop with all the pragmatism preaching that's actually happening in the, in the church today. We got to stop with the prosperity gospel today. I actually went back to, uh, uh, to see uh, some of my friends that, you know, kind of grew up in the prosperity gospel you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I asked him, yeah, you've been in this church for a while, prosperity gospel, all that kind of stuff. How prosperous are you these days? (laughs) 
so here's, here's the thing. Number one, the prosperity, God, the, all that kind of stuff is just, uh, it's, not, it's just not a good thing. Number two, it's not working. If that's the idea, is that for you to be prosperous when you go to a prosperity church and you've been here for 30, over 30 plus years and you're still not more prosperous, uh, okay, it's, de- it's definitely not working. But again, it always goes to this thing. Why is it that when there's the pragmatic preaching, the prosperity gospel preaching, the experimental encounter stuff, all of these types of things, when it doesn't work out, why is it that the individual always blames God? You know, and I, and I have to con- when I have to have counseling sessions with people that are kind of coming out of this or, or wrestling with Christianity when they're dealing with this stuff and the failure of Christianity not working out, why is it that you guys are always mad at God? Is it not possible that the preacher that you were listening to that told you this was wrong? Huh, Shane, I guess I never really thought of that. Why is it that we always go to God? This is why people are walking away from Christianity. This is why atheism is growing and the church is actually feeding it. People are saying that Christianity just doesn't work for them anymore. Why would you say that if the reason you are a Christian is because it's true? Because if it's true, who cares if it's working or not? Alistair McGrath, he writes this, paradoxically, what propels people towards atheism is above all a sense of revulsion against the excesses and failures of organized religion. Yeah, Alistair McGrath. Great theologian. What's propelling people toward atheism is organized religion. Amazing. What a paradox. It is religion that is a major player in the growth of atheism. And as we progress today, we have got to show the futility of it. We have got to show that there is nothing down that road, that there is nothing to be found in atheism. Any, many are seeking to find something else to stand on. But the reality is, family, all other ground is sinking sand. Let's take a look. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for truth. And Lord, I pray that you continue to help us uh, to walk in step with the truth of the gospel, being in the light as you are in the light. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're gonna look at today is the unfailing principle of what is called the impossibility 
of the contrary. Now, I know that sounds, you know, oh, you know, that, that's, yeah, that's a lot, right? I'm going to make it real simple for us. Second, we're going to l- see that the level playing field of neutrality, neutrality, this is, oh, this really, really, really bothers me today. But this, this level playing field of neutrality that will be urged by people, it is just a myth, and it is a lie, and we've got to see that not only will the world never, ever be neutral, we shouldn't be either. So the last thing we will see is the reality of our plight is not ignorance. The reality of our plight is rebellion and how we can rejoice because there's salvation even for rebellion against the living God. So our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to doubt and rebel because of our self-deception, delusion, and nature, it is the truth of the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit that will open our hearts and minds to see the reality of sin and its effects and how we can truly be saved and sustained by the hand of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Point number one, the impossibility of the contrary. I know that there are some of us, you know, many of us, sometimes we find ourselves in a position where things are just so confusing, things are so dark, things are so out of control in our lives that we may even ponder the question, does God exist? God, are you even there? You know, sometimes I remember as a, as a young person, I used to do that all the time. I'd be, things are just not working out. I'd be laying in bed going, God, are you there? Are you even there? Is this, is this just a pipe dream? Is this like some kind of myth? Is everybody right? It's all, and we, we have those times and we have those, those things. And, and so what I used to do is I used to go back and think about the historic theistic proofs for the existence of God, all this stuff. and just all, But there was always just that thing that was always in the back of my mind. I just couldn't let it go. And so many of us today, we even struggle with that. Like, is this even real? Is this even worth all this stuff? Is God even there? I mean, if I die, is there even a heaven? Is there even a hell? Or if I die, do I just disappear? Do I just go away? Is it just done? So the answer to this is what's called the impossibility of the contrary. And this is the one thing that will actually put everything to rest. Why? Because without God, you cannot make sense of anything. (laughs) Without God, you can't make sense of anything. According to Romans 1, we see that there really is no such thing as atheists. Okay? That's why I, I love, there's this t-shirt that came out. I saw it the other week. It says, there is uh, no such thing as atheists or something like there's an atheist, atheism and there's like a thing, you know, the one of those X's through it or something like that. This is a really, really cute t-shirt, I thought. And I said, you know what, that Romans 1. And sure enough, Romans 1 was down there at the bottom. There is no such thing as atheists. People will claim to be atheists. Even people from the church are moving towards atheism. We're starting to see all this stuff. And everyone... According to Romans 1, everyone believes in God, right? And we're supposed to believe in Scripture above all, right? So Scripture is telling us there is no such thing as atheism. Wait, what do you mean? I just read it. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. So what is the Bible saying? God has made himself known to everyone in this world. All of mankind, all of humanity. God has made himself known. Oh, 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 but Shane, I mean, you know, why does it have to be like mysteries? Why does it have to be enigmas? Why does it have to be all so difficult and, you know, you got to have like a college degree to understand all of this type of stuff? No, watch this. God has made himself known to all of mankind. And the, the phrase here is great because God has made it obvious to them. God has showed it to them. Some of your translations will say God has showed it to them. What we see here is God has revealed himself to all of mankind for them to, and so much so and in such a way that they are actually to be blameworthy when they sin and reject his leading. That's exactly what he's saying here. God has made himself known to all humanity and all mankind, so much so and in such a way, so obvious to them that they are blameworthy for not following him. Wow. God made this so obvious to them this is not something that you have to figure out by understanding complex mathematical, difficult mathematical formulas, complex syllogisms of logic, deep archaeological excavations, or the deepest thought experiments in the hollow caverns of meditation. This is so obvious. It is so obvious to everyone in this world. It's so obvious to be. This is what the scriptures is making very, very clear. You don't need to have a PhD or a super high IQ to figure this out. You don't need to be clever or naturally gifted in thinking. It is obvious. God has made it so obvious. So this is why we don't need to give absolute proof for the existence of God. Because none of it is actually needed. Because God has already done it. Serious. Do we believe the Bible or not? Yes. You are Southern Baptists. You're supposed to. (laughs) If we believe the Bible, then the Bible is telling us there is no such thing as atheists. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You don't have to prove the existence of God. God has already done it. So you see, when it comes to the knowledge of God, the existence of God, it's not that you don't believe because you received everything that you need. It's not because of lack of evidence. You've got tons of evidence. The reason why you don't believe is because you won't believe. It's not, it's, not, it's not an intellectual thing. It's a moral thing. So, wait, so, but Shane, didn't you say earlier that can you demonstrate the existence of God? You know, and, you know you, I, I thought you were going to give us like these proofs to prove the existence of God. Because if we're not going to give proof because they don't need the proof, then what are we supposed to do? 
Some people will say when I say this, Shane, you don't understand. I really don't believe in God. Sorry, God says you do. <laughs> Seriously. No, 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 you don't, I really don't. God says you really do. When standing face to face with God in the end, you do realize there's not going to be an excuse. You are not going to be able to say, I did not think you existed. Do you know, too, when you read this passage of Scripture, that this isn't about science? You know how, like, that's what the scientists said? You, you, you watch Discovery Channel, History Channel, you watch all this stuff, and you watch these proponents and all that stuff and say, well, there's just no scientific evidence or scientific proof for the existence of God. Yeah, God is also showing us here that it has nothing to do with science. I'm not saying it's frivolous if you're out there trying to prove God's existence with science. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that's not the reason why. Because he talks about here that what's made known to humanity, his invisible attributes... God's invisible attributes are obvious to everyone in this world. This cannot be science either. Why? Because sense perception, sight, sound, taste, touch, all of that kind of stuff, can you sense invisible things? Maybe people will say the wind, but you can sense it. Can you touch the divine nature of God? It's interesting. The invisible qualities of God. We can't use sense, perception, empiricism, evidentialism, or experience to uncover this knowledge. What God has made obvious to us, we can't use this stuff. Neither can logic nor mathematics actually make, uh, give us a proof to uncover the invisible qualities of God, his eternal power, and his divine nature, the existence of the supernatural. You can perceive all of this because God has made it obvious to us by the things that were made. So it's not supposed to be one of these things where we look out into the world and we look at creation and we go, huh, well, when we look at the DNA structure of this and we look at the structure of the plants and we see how photosynthesis works and all this stuff and we look at all creation and we figure out, whoa, wait, wait a minute. No, 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 no. All it is is we walk outside and we look at creation and we go, God. How can you look at creation and not think God? You can't. Family, you can't. That's why there's no excuse. We all believe that there is a God because God has showed himself to us in such a way that we are responsible to him. He has done it in such a way that there will be no excuse. We just got to look at creation and it's obvious that there is a creator who has a purpose in mind for us. All we got to do is look at people to see that it's obvious that there was a creator who has a purpose in mind for us. Let's just be honest. Seriously, you're not going to look at, at a person. You're not going to look at a baby growing up. You're not going to look at creation. We're in Colorado. We get to look at the mountains and the streams and, and the weather and the rain and all oh, the rain, you know, we get to look at all of this stuff and, and we think that this just randomly popped out of nothing?
God has made it obvious to us. There is no such thing as an atheist. But, of course, an atheist will not affirm all that I just said. That's what we do. Do you know what we do? We lie to ourselves. Oh, Shane, I don't think we lie to The Bible says that we lie to ourselves. Psalm 119, 29. Psalm 119, 29. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. So then what's our approach? Are you going to help us here today, Shane? Yeah, I'm going to help us. So what's our approach? We don't give proofs for the existence. I'm not going to entertain that with an individual. Now, that's not true. I will play the game a little bit. <laughs> if you guys follow me on social media, you guys see that when I respond to certain people, I like to play the game a little bit. I like to, I like to give proofs when they say, hey, I demand evidence, I demand this stuff. I give them proofs. I walk them through the cosmological argument. I walk them through the teleological argument. I walk them through things like the, my, one of my favorite ones is the ontological argument. You know, because the ontological argument it is so simple. You know, hey, can you guys, do you guys believe that God's possible? So this is my favorite one. People will be like, well, are you saying that the God of the Bible, that it's possible? Yeah. Do you think it's possible? Yeah. Then he exists. Yeah, think on that tonight. Talk about that over dinner tonight. Just to show the reason why I'll do this is just to show that even if we're going to use your, your humanistic methods, I can still do it. I can still demonstrate God. That's how overwhelmingly obvious all of this stuff is. Now, of course, there's going to be limitations to that, right? Because mankind's ability and our thought processes are all limited. So the proof of God is going to be limited to what man can do. So yes, there's going to be certain issues. That's the reason why I never camp there. I never stop there. Even when you take God out of the pictures, you can give proofs, but again, it's limited. Man-made methods and principles, that's just how it is. But there is something, family, that is unbeatable. The best way to describe it is this. John chapter 6, verses 68. John chapter 6, verses 68. This is the method that I use. Eventually, I'll get everyone to this place. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. So what's my method? My method is, fine. You don't believe in God. Fine. Where else are you going to go? Our approach is the impossibility of the contrary. We believe God exists. It is impossible for you to function and do anything in life believing that God does not exist. A man came to a college science classroom. He went to this classroom, science classroom at a college, and he said that he made a huge discovery. He came to the conclusion that there's no such thing as air. He came up with all the equations, mapped out the equations, he mapped out the formulas, put it all up on the wall, made his case, and even even convinced some of the students in the classroom that there was no such thing as air. 
But the professor was not convinced. And the professor stood there with a smile on his face. And the man, while he's going through his whole presentation, he became more and more irritated because the professor was just standing there smiling. And finally, he just couldn't take it anymore. And he said, so professor, since you're standing there with this smirk on your face, I'm guessing that you are not convinced. (laughs) And the professor said, sorry. Yeah, I am. I'm not convinced. It's funny. The whole time you're trying to convince us that there's no such thing as air, you were breathing it. This is what it's like. The impossibility of the contrary essentially is saying you cannot make sense of anything without God. Because in order to disprove the existence of God, you got to first believe that God exists. Can't do it. A theist, a theist. You have to actually have the idea of God before you can disprove it. You need to use the tools that God has given us to make a case that He doesn't exist. This is why without God, you cannot make sense of anything. Some of the atheists that I talk to will say, Well, you know what, Shane? You're wrong. You're wrong to tell people about myths and fables and, and your sky daddy. And, and you are wrong to encourage people to enter into this delusion. And my first response to them is, why do you even care? Whoa, think about that. They're mad because I'm, I'm, I'm telling people about God and telling them about fables and myths, all this stuff, all that. That's what you actually believe. And you actually believe that there is no God. Why do you even care what I'm doing? Does it make sense for you to care? So what if I do this? In, you are an atheist, right? Yes. Uh, believing in a random materialistic world where there is no supernatural. Yes. <laughs> then who is to say that what you think is right is right and what I think is right is wrong? Who are you to say that? Who's anybody to say that? Who can say that? Who cares? If I believe the exact opposite of what you believe, am I not equally as right as you are? And you know what they all have to say? Yes. So, all you math people out there, one plus negative one equals Meaningless, absolutely meaningless. Even your morality doesn't mean anything. Even what you think is right and what, th- what you think is wrong doesn't mean anything. Take the law of non-contradiction. If A cannot be not A at the same time, you do well, yes. But who cares whether you're logical or not? 
Really, who cares whether the individual out there is being logical and they're following the laws of logic? Who cares? If a person says, Shane, but two plus two equals four. But if there's no God, so what? You can count, but you can't account for your counting. It's impossible, family. It's impossible. You take God out of the picture, nothing in this world means anything and nothing makes any sense. There was a person who recently claimed, was on the news and everything, to, to say that two plus two equals four, if you say that, it's racist. Absolutely. And they were going on and on about this. And atheistic people and scientific, the scientific community, logicians, all that stuff were going, all this stuff, and they're talking about, yeah, well, you know what? She's just plain wrong. Whether it's racist or not, she's just plain wrong. But in the end, those who do not believe in God, my question is, so what? Well, but that's wrong. According to who? You? Isn't she entitled if she wants to say that two plus two equals five, isn't she entitled to do that? No. Well, why not? Because, because what? Because it's wrong? According to who? Me. They can't answer. You can't answer. You can't make sense of anything. You can do this. Go on. Think about all these possible things. You cannot make sense of anything, and nothing matters if you take God out of the picture. Take God out of the picture. Who's to say what is right and wrong? If I live the rest of my life giving people $5 instead of 4 who cares? Well, Shane, well, that would be stealing. That's wrong. Well, who cares? Seriously. Well, but that's not good for our society. According to our society, but they say it's okay in their society. Are they equally right? Well, yes, then you can be equally wrong. But that just doesn't compute. It's just not the way it is. You know what? What it is, Shane, it's the laws of the land. The laws of the land, it's a social construct. That's what we've got. So in the social construct, we have the social contract. And everybody has agreed to these laws. And everyone thinks these laws are fair, so we're all going to support these laws. Have you looked at our country lately? Social contracts don't work. Social contracts have never worked. And we're thinking that social contracts is how it's supposed to be. The reason why social contracts don't work is because there isn't an ultimate authority that's going to enforce it. Things like reason, things like logic, things like morality. If you ask an atheist where they came from, they can't answer. Seriously. This is where the conversations stop. Family, I'm not kidding. This, this is the thing that is the killer for this. If you guys have followed me and been watching me on social media as I have been engaging with atheists like you've never believed, 
I mean, this is just the onslaught is crazy. I'll have 100 to 200 conversations with atheists going on at once. This is nuts. What what I do, you know, and then you know, I go and I look at it's it's so bad now. I'm just I'm just doing like you know the smiley faces and all that stuff. Just I just can't handle all this stuff. But but here's the thing, the the people that I'm talking to are PhD professors from universities, college students, universities, all this stuff. All these people that are dealing with the stuff, all this stuff. It's essentially me against the world. And here you got a lowly pastor in Denver, Colorado who had heart surgery and has gallbladder taken out and it's pretty worthless. And I'm able to stand up against all of these guys without batting an eye. Do you know why? Because God made it so obvious that even a child could do this. It doesn't take anything. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to do anything. It's just a simple answer these questions. Can you make sense of anything without God? No! That's the reason why the conversation stops there. But, but, but Shane, we, we can think that things are immoral because of, you know, the, you know we just got to use our minds. Minds? Can you show me what a mind looks like? Well, 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 no, no, because it's, it's an invisible thing. Oh, okay. So you are an atheist. You believe in random material things, yet you believe that there's such a thing as a mind. How do you know that what's happening in your brain is actually mind stuff, or isn't it just chemical reactions that are firing nerves in this big, gigantic clump of cells? And that's supposed to mean something? But you can't prove it, man. You have got to prove it. Okay. I suppose we don't believe things that we can't prove. And yet an atheist cannot answer this question. They say that there's no God. They say that they need God. Um, Oh, they say there's no God, but... You need to believe in God in order for you to say that there is no God. Saying that there's no air while the whole time you're breathing it. Another thing I like to say too is they need the tools that God has given. God gave us science. God gave us reason. God gave us logic. And we're going to use those tools to prove that he doesn't exist. The guy who gave you those tools, you want to say doesn't exist. That's like using a DeWalt drill to prove that DeWalt doesn't exist. When an atheist says there is no God, he or she is saying that there's no air while they breathe it in. It cannot get much more foolish than this. This is why the scriptures declare in Psalm 14:1, only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. But the reality is rebellion, not lack of information. This is why the scriptures declare it foolish. If you're proving the existence of God all the while trying to disprove him, that's foolish. But Shane, you can't believe that anything is real if you can't prove it with evidence. I love that statement. You can't believe anything is real unless you can prove it with evidence. 
Did you prove that statement that you just made with evidence? Well, well, no. Then you can't believe it's true, then can you? Do you see the foolishness of this? This is what happens when you try to do this without God. You can't prove the statement with evidence. One of my favorite things to do is ask ask the individual, hey, did you dream last night? Yeah, of course I dreamt last night. Well, what did you dream about? They tell me, oh, I went on vacation. I did this, I did this. I say, I don't believe you. Can you prove it? Well, Shane, how the heck am I supposed to prove that there's such a thing as a dream? How can I prove what I dreamt about? How am I supposed to do that? That's a good question. So I guess it it wasn't real then, was it? What about memories? Can't prove memories, can you? Is there any scientific argument that could destroy the assertion that the world was only created five minutes ago? Can't prove that, can you? People say that everything changes, right? You hear that, everything changes. Well, but in order for that statement to be true, at least one thing can't change. Even when people say that all religions are equally right, do you know that people will say that? Man, all religions are equally right. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if Jesus is right, then you're wrong. But if Jesus is wrong, you're still wrong. You see, take God out of the picture. You can't make sense of anything. If there is no God, there's no objective standard for good. If there is no good, then there cannot be the privation of what we call good or what we call evil. So if God doesn't exist, then evil doesn't exist. But if atheists will assert that the actual existence of evil is the reason there is no God, how can there be God and there not be evil? But how can there be evil and there not be God? So if you say evil exists then God has to exist. You can't even call anything evil without having to believe that God exists. It's impossible to make sense of anything without God. The minute you try to prove that there is no God, all you're doing is using the things that God has given to you. That's why you believe that there is a God. Well, how do you know God gave it? Because without him, they're useless. Nothing, family, and I mean nothing, makes sense in our world or can be accounted for if there is no God. This is why I assert today the living God is real. When you are up late at night questioning whether all this Christianity stuff is real, know that you cannot even begin to question anything if God isn't. Nothing then matters. Nothing will matter. Nothing does matter if there is no God. If there is no God, then who cares about whether there is a God or not? If you actually believed that there was no such thing as God, you wouldn't care if people were out there saying that there is a God. The reason why you care is because deep down inside you really believe that there is a God. The minute you say, this is not fair, (laughs) you need to have God for that to mean anything. The minute you say, I'm so lost and I'm so confused in life, 
You need God in order for that statement to make any sense at all. Even saying, woe is me. You know how we always say, oh, here's in this woe is me time. Woe is me. Do you realize that saying woe is me is absolutely meaningless if there is no God? No God, none of it matters. Albert Camus, not a Christian, shows that without God or any real purpose, there is a need for something to direct us, but there is none. All that's left for us is this word called nihilism. Nihilism, obviously, the rejection of all religious and moral principles and the belief that life is essentially meaningless. If all we have is nihilism, then he said the only thing that's going to matter in life is suicide. It's hard to disagree with that. But if you don't believe that God exists, who cares whether he said that or not? Who cares whether it has meaning or not? Who cares? The only reason why we are walking through life believing that things matter is because deep down in our hearts, we actually believe that God exists. You can't do it. You just can't do it. When I listen to atheists talk, they all talk as if there is a God. You can't get away from it. This is why C.S. Lewis, he illustrates this well. If there is no intelligence behind the universe, then nobody designed my brain for the purpose of thinking. Thought is merely the byproduct of some atoms within my skull. But if so, how can I trust my own thinking to be true? And if I can't trust my own thinking, of course, I can't trust arguments leading to atheism and therefore have no reason to be an atheist or anything else. Is this what I'm saying? If you really didn't believe in God, who cares whether you're an atheist or not? That's not going to matter if there isn't a God. Unless I believe in God, I can't believe in thought. So I can never use thought to believe in God. Or to disbelieve God. That sounded funny when it came out. (laughs) It... Unless I believe in God, I can't believe in thought, so I can never use thought to disbelieve God. Why are we trying to disprove the existence of air while the whole time we're breathing it in? There is no level playing field, family. No level playing field at all when it comes to this, the myth of neutrality. It's a myth. Why are we even tempted with this stuff? Well, Shane, we're Christians, right? We, we got to listen to them. These, these guys, these scientists, these atheists, all these guys on the Discovery Channel and all the, you know, these guys are just so smart. They're so successful. And they show that they know stuff and they know a lot of stuff. They're on TV saying TV kind of stuff. We got to take the good we got to forget the bad, but all these guys on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, social media, all these people that we listen to, these atheists, they have something to say. We should listen. We should be open-minded, right? You hear that? Hey, we, we got to be open-minded to what these guys have to say. They're smart. They're, they're, into, they're intellectual. They're, they're, they, they're the professionals, man. These guys have studied. They've done this stuff. They've paid the price. We've got to have open minds. They are so smart. They're convincing. They have beautiful minds. Family, no. We do not listen to them. This is the reason why, another reason why we're falling into this trap. The reason why we're falling into this atheism hole. We listen to them. 
because we believe that there is such a thing as neutral ground when it comes to them. We are never ever to surrender our thoughts and our faith to any kind of neutrality to this world. We cannot be, nor are we allowed to be, open-minded when it comes to the thoughts and things of the world. Do you want to know why? Why do we not listen to these people? Why are we not open-minded? Why we don't entertain this kind of stuff? Because Romans chapter 1 verses 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. They know God, they refuse to worship him, and as a result, their minds are darkened and their minds become confused. They are darkened, they are confused. You say they're smart, you say they're witty, they're innovative, they're all that, but God says that they are darkened and confused. Their ideas about God or lack of God are foolish. They are foolish. God calls them foolish. We who call smart, God calls fools. There is no neutral ground. They are not neutral. They want us to be open-minded, but did you know they are not open-minded? Ephesians chapter four, verse 18. Ephesians chapter four, verse 18. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. There is no neutral ground. Stop reading their books because you're trying to collect some kind of philosophy or ideology that's going to help you through life. God is saying that if these people are denying and rejecting the existence of God, they are darkened, they have darkened minds, they're confused, they're closed-minded, and their hearts are hardened against God. Why are we doing this? Why do we do this? You know, one of the things that's funny is like they were talking to a pastor on, on, on I can't remember which news, news broadcast it was, and they were talking about the important books that Christians need to read. Did you know that I think he mentioned like five books or something like that? That all the books except one were written by atheistic uh, business philosophers as books that Christians need to read in order to help them better their walk with God. Are you out of your mind? You are telling people who have darkened minds, confused, who are fools, have their minds closed and hardened their hearts against God, you're going to tell Christians to read their books to get insight. There is no neutral ground, family. There is none. They are coming after you, and the point is to deceive you. Oh, but, but, but it's like dads, right? When you had daughters, for many of you who had daughters, you don't understand. I love him. No, sweetie, he's using you. He's lying to you. He's deceiving you, but you don't understand, dad. He's, he loves me. That's what it sounds like sometimes. You don't understand in this world. The world, they, they do care about us. They do love us. No, they don't. We are to recognize that God calls them fools. 
We don't try to find worth and value in those who God calls fools. If Jesus was saying, hey, look at this guy, fool. And then he proceeds to talk. Are we listening to him? In our culture today, I wonder. There is no neutrality. They're not neutral. Their minds are not open. It's full of darkness. They've closed their minds. We're supposed to love the Lord with all of our minds as well as our heart, right? Are we being disloyal to God with our minds? Allowing the junk to come in? This is why many in the church are walking away from the faith. They're listening to the pattern of this world and their mind is hostile to all that is holy and agreeing with darkened minds agreeing with those with double standards, agreeing with those with hardened hearts, those who are closed-minded. There is no neutrality between the church and the world. We're letting them in. We're not supposed to be neutral. We're not supposed to be open-minded to their thoughts. We're supposed to be set apart. God desires for us to be set apart. Oh, you don't believe me? John chapter 17, verse 17. Make them wholly set apart by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus is praying that God will make us set apart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. James chapter 4, 4. James 4, 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, 7. Do we not fear God? Do you know that in order for you to get any kind of knowledge, you have to first fear God? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Colossians chapter 2, 8. Colossians chapter 2, 8. We were warned about this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Don't let this happen, but it's happening. And do you realize it's not for us to just be passive? We're supposed to be active. We are not to let this reasoning and thinking of the world go by untouched. We are to crush them. We are to destroy them. We are not to sit back and watch this all go by. We got to stop with the apathy in the modern church. We got to stop being afraid of the world. We are not supposed to be neutral. They're not neutral. We can't be neutral. We got to get out there. We got to get in the fight. No more fear of the world. No more fear of what they can do because this world will have no power over you unless it was first given to them from above. And if that's the case, then there's nothing you can do about it. We are to crush the thinking 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud. Oh, excuse me. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We're supposed to tear this down. If you are not doing this today, you are not obeying Christ. 
That's what Christ commands us to do. You know what else God commands us to do? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Do you know what's important about this passage of Scripture? Is that Peter isn't saying, always be ready to call your pastor and ask him the answer to this question. Always be ready to search the internet, Google it, and hopefully you will find the answer. Family, this is an imperative. You are disobeying God if you are not ready to give an answer. Don't be deceived. You are not obeying God if you are not engaged. This is a command by the apostle. Always be ready to explain it. To not be ready is to disobey God. And the modern church is paying for it right now. When Christians, when modern evangelicals today are going to sit back and just watch this happen and be like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to get involved in this fight. You know, I see this one person over there, he's engaged in the fight, but I'm just going to sit back and watch and just figure it out, all this stuff, and we just let other Christians go out there and get devoured by the world and we just sit back and watch and we don't do anything. You think we're not going to be judged for that? We are absolutely paying for it right now. We're parents that I have warned about. I have warned them about this stuff. I warn them about their inabilities. I'm, war- I'm warning them about not their inabilities, their irresponsibilities to equipping, to learning to standing up, to getting in the fight, to engage and all this kind of stuff. And these parents are now calling me, telling me that their kids are walking away from the faith now. That today, I don't know how many of us parents here today even say, hey, my kids don't even follow God anymore. The Bible warned us about this. The Bible told us about this. And we are continuing to just move in this evangelical nonsense. People are walking away from the faith. Older Christians are just not coming to church anymore. And we continue to allow the nonsense that's happening in Christianity to continue. You know, the thing I was thinking too is like, when you look at other ill-equipped pastors on social media, and they get these same atheists, these guys that are coming after me, they're going after them. Oh man, and they're having a field day with these guys. They cannot answer these questions because of the nonsense that they believe. We cannot allow the insanity and foolishness of atheism to get a hold of us. We can't allow a neutral playing field. They will not be neutral, nor should we. How foolish is atheism? Even demons believe in the existence of God. What all of this is showing is the reality of what we got to call rebellion. It's not that we don't know. We won't know. We want to say that it's a lack of information. We want to say that it's just, I didn't know. We want to and always want to claim ignorance. But the truth of the matter, there is no excuse. Ever since the fall, the excuse is to blame. And we want to claim ignorance. We want to blame ignorance, but there is no ignorance. 
We've seen it in our passage of scripture today and we will be judged. God said he is furious and he is going to judge all in creation for all the rebellion that's been done against him. But as always, family, the question is, can we be saved from this? Absolutely we can. There is salvation for all. Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own rebellion. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. There is salvation today because Christ has paid the price for us. He lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And family, the promises continue that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We can be saved today. We have been given the truth today. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. This is the beauty of the gift of repentance that the Holy Spirit gives us. The wonderful faith to believe that the Holy Spirit gives us. And the life and life more abundant that we have in Christ. Yes, family, God is more real than anything in this world that we would call real. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.